0: Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you.
1: You may be seated. Tonight I have a prophetic landmark message that I'm going to be sharing is for our benefit and for the benefit of the church. About 30 years ago, I preached this message on times and seasons. And today, God has given me an expanded version of it times and the seasons for the perfecting of the church many of us including myself are in great expectation and anticipation expectation and anticipation for the glory of God to come to his church for an emergence of a perfect church that both the rest of the church and the world can see that is why it is called in romans chapter 8 the manifestation of the sons of god in trans in interesting interestingly this song the choir just sung baruch hashem adonai as the hebrew for blessed is he that comes in the name of the lord the lord jesus christ himself who incidentally is Jewish and very Jewish. He has retained his Jewish identity and title for eternity. He is referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You don't get more Jewish than that. And he said something as he approached Jerusalem just before he was the weak what in the church world they call it the holy week, the week of passion. This is what we call Palm Sunday. You know, and as he came into Jerusalem, he said, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often I have wanted to gather you, like a chicken gathers her chicks. He said, But you would not. You stone the prophets and the apostles I sent to you. Say, so you will not see me again until you say, Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he. And I'm going to put a, st- a twist on this. Not who comes in his own name. But who comes in the name of the Lord which means blessed is he who comes in the character of God, who displays, who demonstrates the character of God. So I bring you this message, the times and the seasons of the perfection of the church. I didn't say that 30 years ago. I just said times and seasons, even though... It was implicated there. And I like you to turn with me in your Bible to First Thessalonians chapter five in verse one. And uh, maybe I'll read up to verse four. You know. Say, But of the times and the seasons, everybody read along with me and open your mouths. But of the times and the seasons, I didn't hear you. Brethren. Turn to your neighbor say he's talking to brethren. You have no need that I write unto you for you yourselves know perfectly. The word perfectly just means complete. It doesn't mean they know everything and I'm going to, as I'm going to explain during the message. The uh, Paul and so many of the apostles and also Peter because we're going to go to Peter too very soon. You know, taught the coming of the Lord clearly to their disciples as the end of their lives approached and it's part of the reason why I'm preaching this message see they initially after the resurrection and Jesus ascended to heaven they thought Jesus was going to come back in a few years in fact they asked him they said will thou at this time restore the kingdom unto you know to to, to Israel and said just because so it is not for you to know at that time the times and the seasons that God has put His own power. So, okay, they were saying, well, maybe it will come in 10 years, 20 years. So, initially, all the apostles, you know, that's what they believed. As they grew spiritually, God began to show them by revelation and from the Word of God that the time of the physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ, was not going to be in their lifetime. That it was still two, three millenn- two millennia, 2,000 years down the road. And for this reason, Peter tells us in, we're going to go there, but I'll just say, it, you know, he, he said that, you know, don't, 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 be ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years. So, don't be in a hurry in other words he's coming but it's not going to be as quickly as some of us think and here we are in the 21st century in the year of our lord 2023 and still we haven't yet seen that emergence of what we would call what we call the perfect church using the illustration of the butterfly. You know, it starts as this small seed, then it becomes a caterpillar. It doesn't look anything like the butterfly. And that's what we see in the church. Then it goes into the pooper stage, you know, where there's not too much activity, but a lot of internal transformation. And then it gets strengthened and breaks the cocoon of the pupa and then the butterfly emerges with the beautiful colors and everybody can see it that emergence is what is imminent so paul says to them in verse 2 for yourselves know perfectly perfectly just means they're completely and i'm going to give that to you in a few minutes that the day of the lord so cometh as a thief in the night for when they Now, they are not the brethren. They are the people in the world, or what we might also call, you know, they are people who are not born again, or people who are born again and are ignorant, who are not spiritual. And you have a lot of that in the church. Paul took the Corinthians and said, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto babies. So they were in the church, but they they didn't have a lot of understanding about uh, these things. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they not us shall not escape that reminds me of the scripture in luke 21 in verse 36 where jesus warned the church he said watch and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape now he says to these people you know, who don't know what they should know, which is the reason why I'm preaching and teaching this prophetic landmark message. He said, they will not escape. People who don't understand the times, who don't understand perfectly, who don't understand completely the times and the seasons of God's purposes will be caught unawares and by surprise, and they will not escape. He said, but you, brethren, turn to your neighbor. Uh, is talking to you and me. say but ye brethren I didn't hear you what's wrong with this afternoon are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief you are all children of light and children of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness Therefore, therefore 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 let us not sleep as others but let us watch and be sober what is paul telling us here some people will be caught by surprise but there will be some who will not be caught by surprise he said but you he said for he said you 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 are not in darkness the day will not overtake you as a thief see that's why you must you know uh, like i've said so many times prophetic teaching you know it's actually the highest operation of the prophetic it's not visions and dreams like pe- some people try to you know uh advertise it's not and you see that from moses He told aaron and miriam he said when i speak to prophets ordinarily i speak to them visions and dreams in similitudes he said but my servant moses not so so i speak to him mouth the the the, the, the english is you know face to face the Hebrew says mouth to mouth it's the word you know that brings revelation and that's how jesus taught jesus taught he would use parables he would use prophetic types and shadows to teach in a clear with clarity and purity and quality of content that will make you not confused you know, a lot of those people with visions and dreams, you know, the, you know, sometimes they don't even understand the vision themselves. They don't understand that. And they have to have somebody to come and interpret it for them. And sometimes even after it's been interpreted, they're still going to need somebody with an apostolic, Josephic uh, anoint- wisdom anointing to show you how to apply it. Pharaoh had a dream. He didn't understand it. God gave Joseph the interpretation of dream, but he didn't stop there. After interpreting the dream, he now had apostolic wisdom on what to do in, to apply the interpretation of the dream. That was not in the dream. Inside the dream, he didn't say, well, you have to look for somebody and keep it for seven. You know, he didn't, all of that was not in the dream. All the dream was seven years, you know, uh, good cows and, 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 and bad cows, seven, seven, then good stocks of wheat seven good ones, seven bad ones, and the man woke up, he didn't understand what he was. Then uh, Joseph, by revelation, said there's seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. But that's what the dream said. But he went a step further. He now said, now, look here. Where did he get that from? Wisdom. It came from God. You know? So, a uh, uh, prophetic teaching, you know, uh, and, uh, with an apostolic anointing, brings out not just, the, not just the revelation, but the wisdom of what to do in order to fulfill the purpose of God. So he says to them here, he said, You're not, that day will not overtake you as a darkness. Yet the same Bible, this is prophetic uh, apostolic revelation coming in now, says we don't know the day of the hour. So it's like a contradiction, but it's not. When you understand It says we don't know the day or hour. It says no man knows it. Yet, it says that day will not overtake you as a thief. Does that mean you will know the day? No. But it means you will understand the times and the seasons of the purposes of God, which will now motivate you to be ready, to prepare, so that when the day comes, even though you may not know the exact day, you will be ready. And when you are ready, it will not overtake you as a thief. That's the correct understanding. And so, in nineteen about nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety, my first three, you, about I, my first four prophetic messages, I came into that prophetic end time, teaching ministry, around 1988-89. I still remember very clearly, you know. I preached about four or five prophetic messages. One of them was the Elijah, you know, ministry, you know. Then the other one was uh, Joshua generation. Then I preached this one, times and seasons. Then I preached the man-child company. This was all before Papa Ralph came. Then 1990, Papa Ralph came and taught on perfection, and he now confirmed all the things. In fact, people were screaming and shouting in church. I can never forget that day. You know, people were just, ah, Pastor Louis, where you know. You know, because Pastor Ralph, Papa Ralph was just saying the same things I, was, I had said. You know, and then of course, he amplified them and clarified them. So, in 1919, I preached that the end time is to be characterized by three jubilee cycles. Jubilee is the year of release. Jubilee 50 years. Because the uh, Feast of Pentecost has already been fulfilled. It was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. But there's a third feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And that Feast of Tabernacles has three seasons, three parts. The first one is trumpets, where they blow the trumpet. You find, you know, I'm not going to go into all the scriptures. You can check me out. You know, the second part of, uh, you know, on on the tenth day of the seventh month, they'll blow the trumpet. On the on the um sorry, on the first day of the seventh month, they'll blow the trumpet. Then on the tenth day, there's the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, its its essence basically was, you know, the high priest will take the blood of an animal. And go into the holiest of holies, and he will cover the sins of Israel for another year in the Old Testament. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus has already done that forever. You know, but so in the New Testament, we're talking about atonement. was, it's talking about the removal of the sin nature from the church. You know, that's what the Day of Atonement would represent today in the New Testament. Then the third season was the season of the. The feast of tabernacles itself, which was called also the feast of ingathering. And it was supposed to be, it's supposed to be a time where there will be an in-gathering of two things. One, an in-gathering of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, or there will be clarity of teaching on the perfection of the love of God and the practice of it. If this precedes the in gathering of the nations that is uh described in isaiah 60 where it says you know arise and shine you know and and, and 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 the forces of the gentiles and the nations there's going to be an ingathering of a harvest of disciples from all the nations of the world every type tribe, tribe tongue and kindred but it is preceded by the uh in gathering of the fruit of the spirit which is the love of god which is what will now cause the spirit without measure to come upon the church that will now bring about the ingathering of the nations and i by revelation i said that the end time has three jubilee cycles corresponding to these three parts of the Feast of Tabernacles. The first one was from about 1900 to about 1950. Everybody say, about. Say it again. See, true prophetic teachers and apostolic teachers understand that you cannot be dogmatic when it comes to end time. And God gave me personal revelation of this. All these things I taught them, you know, in those years, in the 80s and in the early 90s, and when Papa Ralph also came, you know, amplification, all of that. If you look at a shadow, you know, depending on the light that's coming, sometimes your shadow will be longer than the actual body. Sometimes the shadow will be shorter. That's exactly how you interpret types and shadows. So, that's why I use the word about. And that's exactly what happened. In 19... 1900 into New Year's Day of 1901 in Topeka, Kansas, the, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon people in a Bible school. Uh, in a Bible school, you know um, that was con- uh, conducted by a guy called Charles Parham, and they began to speak in tongues. Now, tongues is the trumpets of the New Testament. You know, I, I see people in New Testament use, using chauffeurs and all that. And I think it's good for historical reasons and all of that. But that's not what it is. The trumpet is your tongues. The Bible says that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for the battle? Talking about speaking in tongues. In Isaiah chapter 58, it says, lift up your voice like a trumpet. So the, trump- the New Testament trumpet is not a physical chauffeur. It is the speaking in tongues. And that happened. Then in 1906, five years later, that was about. There was another outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Azusa Street in California, in, in Los Angeles, you know. And they began to speak and pray in tongues. And then it began to spread all over the world. And people began to speak in tongues, praying. This long before Ken Hagen was not even born until 1917. You know, people like Enhagen came in later, and others, you know. And those first 50 years, the purpose of those tongues was fulfilled. Because if you go back to the Old Testament shadow, or or, yes, the Old Testament shadow, you find that the trumpets, you see this in Numbers chapter 10. Again, you can go and check me out. You know, that the trumpets had three or four purposes. Two or three purposes. I'm going to major on the ones that concern us here in this message. One of the reasons why they, you blow the trumpet, this was in the time of Moses, during the, after the Exodus, and the children of Israel were in the desert, and they were going towards the promised land. Anytime they heard the trumpet, they, they had different sounds. When you heard a particular kind of trumpet, it will cause for the gathering. It means that everybody should come to the door of the tabernacle because God is, wants to say something. He wants to give them an announcement. So, because, you know, you had 3 million people, 600,000 people, so everybody had tents. So the camp was large. So if Moses had something important that God had told him is going to happen, they will blow, the, the Levites will blow the trumpet. So everybody in the camp will hear it. Then everybody will leave their tents and gather at the tabernacle to hear what God was going to say. Uh, through Moses the second purpose of the trumpet was to prepare them to move so if if God wanted them to say you've been here you know they, they moved into, incidentally and in the, the Bible readings today you know is in numbers 20 33 he talked about the journeys of Israel that's even the Bible reading on the app you know, and you find that they will move from one place to the other. Sometimes they will sp- spend a day in a place. Sometimes they will spend two months. Sometimes they will spend six months in a particular place. Then they will, brrrr. when you hear that particular trumpet, it's not just for the gathering, it's for the movement. So when they want, then they will start packing all their clothes and taking the tents down to get ready so that once, they, so that they can move. The third purpose of the trumpet was in the day of battle. Whenever they had a They had to go and fight. They will. The priest and the Levites would take the trumpet along, and they would blow. You know, uh, the the trumpet to prepare the people for battle and to call on the Lord to help them and strengthen them and give them victory over the enemies. All these three three things took place in the New Testament reality. Because, see, uh, I didn't go there, but I'll just mention it in passing. All the things in the Old Testament are shadows. You see this in Colossians chapter 2. They are all shadows. The reality, the substance is in the New Testament. I think it was Papa Ralph who said this many years ago. The Old Testament is the glove. That's the shadow. The New Testament is the hand. That's the substance. That's the reality. The Old Testament is just a shadow. So, all these things that were written in the Old Testament were shadows of realities that we are experiencing now and what happened between 1900 and 1950 it is amazing all the three things happened number one within that 50 years in fact a little bit earlier that's why it's a shadow it wasn't exactly 1950 it was 1948 you know what god did he gathered israel back to the land let's give the lord a clap offering what a prophetic fulfillment When they started speaking, praying in tongues in 1901, 1906, and many people said, they didn't know what they were doing. They were Because that's why God can operate. I, I was saying this when I was teaching Foundations of Faith yesterday. When you pray in tongues, you give God a legal avenue to exercise his sovereignty. Because it is not you who is giving the utterance. So God can do what he wants to do. Not necessarily what you want him to do. But most times, he will do what he wants to do and a little bit of what you want that is in line with his will. You know, that's why, you know, praying in tongues is so powerful. So, you know what? They began to blow a trumpet to natural Israel who were not even born again. And you know what happened? Through a series of staggering miracles. God regathered natural Israel back to their ancestral land in Palestine. I was watching a documentary the other day about Harry Truman. Harry Truman was the American president at that time. Very interesting, honey. Do you know that the president was FDR? Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the president. And he should have had... They gave him a third term. But Roosevelt died. Roosevelt died in April, just before World War II ended. And this man, uh, Harry Truman... Whose mommy was a Christian, and I told <laughs> him about Israel, and he had a lot of Israeli friends. So when the time came and for Israel to be formed, a lot of people were lobbying. People were saying, you "No, know, the Arabs had a strong lobby. They didn't want them to do it." You know, and Harry Truman, initially, I just read this. I, I you know, I just saw it. I, I didn't know this. I'm, I'm telling you now. He was a little bit moved. He didn't want to upset the Arabs. So, he didn't want to get involved, you know, you know, with Israel. And all that. But he had a Jewish friend who they had grown up together in America, who was Jewish. And he, he, because he didn't want people to put him under pressure, he was not taking phone calls. He was not taking appointments. He was not seeing anybody. But this guy was his friend and he knew him well. So, he came to the White House Without Truman knowing, you know. So, Truman's chief of staff, knowing that he's the uh, president's friend, allowed the man to come. So, he just came into the, <laughs> the Oval Office. Truman was surprised. He was angry. He said, I don't want to see anybody. So, the man now began to talk about Israel. About the purpose of God. He said, Truman just went quiet. And he was drumming his hands on the table in the White House like that. Just kept listening. He kept listening, he kept listening. His face was expressionless. His friend kept talking, Bible, quoting, everything about Israel. Uh, said after about some minutes, there was a silence. No, none of, none of the men spoke and he looked at his friend, then he smiled. He said, you won, you old Jew. <laughs> Then he carried it on his head to see to it that Israel became a nation. A super clap offering, hallelujah. God, God rules in the affairs of men. If it had been Roosevelt, he wouldn't have done it. Because there was a lot of anti-Semitism. But God knew. He used him to win World War II. The World War was I moved him out of the way and brought the other person. Turn to your neighbor say, that's why you, know you shouldn't worry about Nigeria. God is in control. Another message for another day. Today is not Nigeria. Okay, so that's what happened. But it didn't stop at natural Israel. There was also a gathering of the church. The ecumenical council of churches was started in 1948. The voice of healings of Gordon Lindsay. There was a gathering. Kenneth Hagen, Gordon Lindsay, T. L. Osborne, Oral Roberts. They gathered in this group of preachers called the Voice of Healings. He so he watch this. He gathered natural Israel. He gathered spiritual Israel, evangelical, Billy Graham, 1948. He gathered them together for the work of God that was in front of them. Then he now gathered the kingdom. The, the kingdom people in, uh, 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 um, 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 in in Canada you know it was called the Lateran same nineteen forty eight nothing was an accident and they fulfilled that they they they, they 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 fulfilled that trumpet and they were all brought together and then another thing happened this was nineteen fifty just two years. Remember, it's a shadow. So, it's twenty, it was 1900 to about 1950. It's that about 1901 midnight. So, that's why it's a shadow. And you're going to ex- you're, um, appreciate that as I go on with this message. If I can't finish it today, I'll finish it next week. But I'll take the very important parts. Now, watch this. After the gathering, something that has never happened since the time of the Apostle Paul, as far as Olubi Johnson knows... And if anybody has this information that is more than this, let me know. But I've been around now for, for some time. Nobody. Jesus appears to a young man who was only 33 years old, called Kenneth Hagan. He's not done before. He hadn't done that since the time of Paul. People had seen Jesus, people like Aura Robots and TL. But you appear for two seconds. You know, lay hands on the street, disappear. You know. But this was different. Kenneth. Jesus appears to Kenneth Hagen for and speaks to him for about one hour teaching and telling him about the end time. What was God doing? He began to prepare the church because you see the trumpet is to gather and then to give instruction for the movement. That the church is now going to be moving into a higher realm of oppression using the word of God. Kenneth Hagen jump started that thing around the same time. A young man; he was young at that time. Derek Prince got born again, you know, in in 1940 during World War II, and he started his ministry, you know. So some of these young men arose, and the, the emphasis now wasn't just on miracles alone, which they had had between 1900 and 1950, but it was now the Word of God to fulfill the Scripture. Which says that he will perfect the job with the washing of water by the word. Because a new season had started the season of day of atonement. And the way you're going to get rid of the sin nature was using the word of God. Then that was fulfilled. And then spiritual warfare. Jesus taught Kenneth Hagin. This hadn't been taught for years about principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, how to pray in the spirit. Oh my God. Oh, Kenneth Hagin began to teach these things. People were practicing some of those things, but they were not practicing them with clarity. They were not practicing them with understanding. But because Jesus taught Kenneth Hagin, he was able to put them down in books. And here we are today. So that season season from 19 about 1950 everybody say about to about 2000 and here scripture pastor kicks in we start scripture pastor in 1984 we didn't know all of this at that time you know and then the first few years i was just an ordinary teacher pastor and teacher i taught life scriptures healing deliverance you know prosperity everybody loved me
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources including books, sermons, prophecies and articles available on our website spcconline.org. Thank you and God bless you.